0: Let's pray together. Well, Father, we, we do wanna get deeper with you. We, we pray that you can hear our prayers and draw us deeper into your heart, God. And we, we do see your power in everything. We want to acknowledge how incredible that you are. Every praise is to you, Father. And we absolutely are here to worship you. And, and Father, I, I do pray that this morning our hearts can be softened, I pray that our minds can be alert to what you want us to understand and father, help us to not be conformed into the pattern of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, which does not happen just by our own thinking. Father, we need your words spoken to our hearts and our minds. We need to reflect on the scriptures so that we can have the worldview you want us to have. Uh, Father, I do pray that this morning will be a, a time where you are lifted up. The name of your son, Jesus, is lifted up and that you receive the honor that you are due. And we love you, Father, and thank you for waking us up this morning and giving us this opportunity to worship. We pray in the name of Jesus, amen amen well good morning i'm grateful to be here it's been a few weeks i've been away for three weeks uh, first in costa rica a couple weeks for our mission trip and then uh, just last week in trinidad and uh, i i i'm gonna i have a message prepared for you but before that i wanted to uh, have a, a brother speak to you you know when i moved here in 2007 uh, this brother was in high school and uh yes it's it's crazy how time flies uh, And so uh, Tim and I were having a conversation because he's about to embark on an adventure. And uh, and we were having a conversation recently and he told me, what the circumstances around this upcoming adventure. And I thought, you know what? I think this could be something that's faith building and encouraging for the church to hear. So I, I, I wanted to let him uh, share for a few moments just how God has been working in his life. And, and I give you one of the brothers I'm, I'm proud of in our, in our Edge ministry to see him go through the stages of life. But this is Tim Burnham. I want to give him
1: your heart. Amen. Oh, good morning. Good morning, North River. Um, I'm really excited to be here today. I have an amazing story. I'm really excited to share with you, as Jeff said. I've been at North River since about 2007. And this week, I'm flying on a plane to go to Jakarta, Indonesia to live there for the foreseeable future. And kind of how this started was back in 2010. I went to India for the first time, and I got the opportunity to see the developing world, to see the poverty, and to see the different way of living that the people had there, and it really unsettled me. It kind of made me wonder what life could be and wonder what I was missing because I was living in an American bubble. And from that came a dream, a dream that I wanted to use my career as an engineer to help these people, but I didn't really know how. Um, Now I've learned a lot more, um, but it's been several years of kind of that dream sitting on the back burner as I went through campus and trying to be faithful there and trying to be faithful as a single, stuff like that. So, this brings us to last year. Last year was probably the most challenging year of my life, I would say. I went through a couple of just very difficult situations. I lost a lot of things very meaningful to me. And it ended up just being very faith testing. And I struggled to genuinely trust that God loved me. I genuinely struggled to believe that what I had fought for, God had blessed. And I was like, God, I've done so much for you. Like years and years I've been being faithful. I've been genuinely seeking you. I've been trying the best I can. And it just seems like I'm in this rut. And everything almost seems to have fallen apart. And I, I was faithless. I, in many ways, rebelled against God in that time. And it was really wrestling to trust him. But during this time, I was like, well, maybe I should go somewhere else in my life. Maybe I should try and go to the mountains because there's fresh air there and hiking, you know, stuff like that. And this idea came to my mind almost randomly. I don't even really remember how. It said, why not go to Indonesia? And I was like, Indonesia, that sounds awesome. And <laughs> it was, it was kind of crazy. And I, I, even now, I'm kind of like, what was I thinking? But it was there, and it was something that I was excited about. And after talking to people and praying about it, again, in this faithless state, it just stuck, and it seemed like something reasonable to do. Yes. And so I got in touch with the church. I planned a trip. Maybe about a month before that trip, I was talking to some uh, older men in my life, and they told me it might be a good idea for you to apply for jobs, so you have an interview while you're there, because you're not just moving somewhere and having no job. I'm like, okay, that makes sense too. I looked into the job market in Indonesia, and what I found was that in order to be an expatriate or get a work visa in Indonesia, you need to be an expert in your field. And mind you, I'm two years out of college, and I was in this engineering job that I didn't really want to do, and I wanted to completely switch career paths. And so I was like, yeah, I'm definitely not an expert. And so the faithless part of me was kind of like, man, like... God's just not going to let this happen. Like It's too much. It's too hard. And I just got to gotta stop trying now. But I prayed. I was like, the little bit of faith I had, I was like, God, if this is going to happen, it's going to be because you opened this door and because it's, it's really, literally, I was like, there's no way. Like every side I would apply to, they'd be like, yeah, you're probably not going to get this job. They'd be like, it's really hard to do this. So I was like, okay, God, it's going to have to be you. So I applied to jobs. Uh, a couple of days later, I get a call from a woman. She says, hey, uh, do you apply to our job in Jakarta, Indonesia? And I said, that's correct. She said, but you live in Atlanta, Georgia. I said, yes, that's correct. She's like, that's kind of weird. Can you explain that to me? <laughs> and so, so I did, and we had an, ended up having a great conversation. And so come to find out that this job I applied for on an Indonesian job board just so happened to be headquartered in Marietta right here like out of like what kind of crazy and there are so many other little details like there are indonesian owners who went to georgia tech which is where i went to school and they invited me to their indonesian bible talk and i had indonesian food and alex jackson randomly joined me because he was driving by my house at that moment like it was, it was amazing, um, and it was kind of like, whoa, this came from nowhere, and I have been faithful, faithless, sorry, for like the last six months, and this is the reward for my hard labor. Um, and it was, it was truly extraordinary. And I hadn't even been to Indonesia either. And so I went to Indonesia, kind of like, woohoo, this is gonna be great and was very, very quickly humbled. Um, it was quite overwhelming. Uh, there was a couple moments where I was just on my knees, kind of like, oh my goodness, God, I'm gonna ruin my life. I'm jumping off a cliff and have no idea what's about to happen. But I came back honestly thinking, well, this is a, that was a bad idea. I probably shouldn't have done that, um, but amen. I have brothers in my life who have been with me all these years, uh, have seen the original trip to India, and they reminded me that was my dream, dream to, go and to be overseas and to learn from them and to be able to find some way to help them and they said tim this is what you wanted to do for years now and they were right and i listened to them and i said thank you guys Um, and i I prayed i was like god i have no idea what i'm getting myself into this is scary but i think i don't want to let my fear stop me from going forward with this and so there we go nowadays i'm leaving on thursday and I'm still kind of afraid. I have no idea what I'm getting myself into. So definitely, if you remember me, pray for me. Because I will need it. Um, but I wanted to close this scripture. A scripture I learned long ago, but it's been very meaningful to me. Uh, in this last uh, year, especially. Uh, it's in Second Timothy 2. And it says, This saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him... He will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Thank you, North River.
0: <laughs> Good stuff, man. Amen. Wow, what a story. Isn't it amazing how God works, right? But I really appreciated just Tim's heart to, to go into a situation and to see uh, just Poverty to see struggling situation and to have the heart to be willing to insert himself into that Situation and not just to contemplate about it and think about it But to really put himself in that situation and uh, so I really respect that uh, about him And I'm really grateful to be a part of a congregation uh, for those of you, I mean, Tim's parents who I, I see are here, which is encouraging. I know they poured their lives into him and, and many of you, uh, some of the kind of the older generation just kind of pouring into Tim and it makes a difference. And so I think we, we've got to continue to, to do that, to invest in those that are, are younger than, than, than we are. So uh, today uh, I'm going to talk about a topic that actually, has actually been really interesting to me of late. And uh, if you were here a few months ago, I was able to touch on it a little bit in our, in our Bible study of Exodus. But today, what I want to talk about is, is the concept of biblical justice and uh, biblical justice. And so today, you know, it's going to be a little bit of a continuation of uh, what we talked about before. Uh, but uh, when we talked about Exodus, you know, we spent about three months on Exodus or so. You go, man, that's a long time. And I thought, you know, that is kind of a long time. But you know what? I spent like four or five months taking geometry. And I really don't use that at all right now in my life. Do you know what I'm saying? And so I think it's okay to spend a few months, take a semester in a book of the Bible with, with themes that resonate throughout the entire Bible. I actually don't feel bad about doing that for a few months. I think that's actually pretty good for us. So uh, amen. There you go. What else has moved me? While I was studying the book of Exodus, I happened to listen to three podcasts about this concept of biblical justice on the Bible project. And they also have a video that they made about the, the topic uh, of justice. And, uh, and also, I, uh, I purchased a couple of books, and I start digging into them as I was studying the book of Exodus. And so this topic has just gripped me, and it just made me think about what do I really believe about this topic? Because oftentimes we think about justice, we think about a courtroom. But that's not what God's really talking about only. There's a, there's, there, there are true, powerful concepts that I don't think as Americans we really consider much. And I think we need to let the Bible inform how we view the world. And, uh, and so we're going to look at that today uh, a little bit in the time that I have. And also the last thing that has really struck me is I started listening to a podcast called In the Dark, and uh, I encourage you all to listen to it if you have the opportunity. It's, uh, it's very, very powerful, and hopefully you'll get an opportunity. And it talks about an ongoing criminal case that's happening right now in, uh, in the state of Mississippi. So give that a look, yeah, In the Dark uh, so this is kind of part 1A. Maybe part one was uh, when we talked about uh, the Ten Commandments and I told you about this concept of justice in the Bible. And uh, today we're going to review one of the terms that was that we looked at a while back. And that term is called mishpat. And that is the word in, in Hebrew that, that is often translated rights or justice, though, uh, uh, ordinances, laws, mishpat. And this is the concept in scripture that we're going to look at a little bit today. What does it really mean? It means to to treat people justly, to treat people equitably, to to give people their rights and privileges. And if you you think of it, when God set up his community, When he gave his people the land and he divided the land, there was one tribe that actually didn't get any land to themselves, right? And that was, those were the Levites, okay? And so you know what had to happen? All the other tribes had to give 10% of everything they had so that the Levites could live. Okay, do you understand what I'm saying? So you might have your own plot of land, your vegetables that you're growing, but you need to give 10% of that to the Levites because the Levites, they didn't get any a portion of land because they're at the temple. They're making things happen at the tabernacle. You know, they're, they're taking care of spiritual things. But when God talks about that 10%, he says you need to give the Levites their Mishpot. It's their right. It's, it's their right to that. But wait a minute, that's their stuff. Yeah, but, it's the, but in God's community, you have to equal things out a certain way. Because, and so that, that, that's just one concept uh, of mishpat, to treat people equitably and justly, to, to give people their rights and privileges. Over 200 times uh, you find that in the Old Testament uh, scriptures. One of the uh, scriptures that is really popular when we talk about this concept of justice is micah chapter six if you want to turn there feel free micah chapter six and in verse eight it says he has shown you O mortal what is good and what does the lord require of you to act justly to to act with mishpat and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your god and in the NASB, it says to do justice. So you act justly or do justice. And again, this is this concept of mishpat. And notice that has nothing to do with a courtroom, really. Because again, in our, in our thinking, justice is, all right, somebody did something wrong, they stole something, give them, they, their justice needs to happen. Take them to court. <laughs> to act justly in your, in your community is not necessarily about the courtroom. Yeah. But why? Why do we need to act this way? Like, wh- but what's the motivation behind all this? And, it, and to me, it goes back to the beginning in this concept called Imago Dei, right? The image of God. Okay, why, do you need, why does this matter to you? Why do you care? Why do you need to care about this? You need to care about this because on the first page of the Bible, right. you learn <laughs> that every one of us is made in the image of God. Okay, that's a key understanding. If you're gonna get biblical justice, you need to figure this part out real quick. Every single person is made in the image of God. Every one of us, God created people. All right, and so they have a certain right to be treated a certain way. Because of that, we don't need any, go- any earthly government to confer this on a person. Okay, God's already done it. First page of the Bible sets the tone for what happens. Okay, so this is a term you got to understand. And this even comes up in the book of James. Even in the book of James, you you get a a sense of this. When he he talks about, you remember that chapter where he talks about how, how your mouth can get you in trouble? You know? And he says, no human being can subdue the tongue, man. It is a restless evil. Full of deadly poison. With it, we bless the Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people made in God's image. Imago Dei. He said, yeah, you know, from the same mouth come blessings and cursing. That shouldn't happen. You don't curse somebody. Why? Well, because it's not a Christian thing to do. Okay, no, it isn't a Christian thing to do. But why? Because they're made in God's image. They have a, a right to be treated a certain way. Okay, this is, and again, every person, no matter who they are, deserves this. So if as people made in God's image, you know, we, we must reflect that image in our lives, right, Wherever we go, all right? We need to act justly, okay? We need to do mishpat in this world, wherever we go. We're made in God's image. And so we therefore need to act that way in this world. That's why we're here, right? That's why we're here. But also look at the heart of God. This is who God is. Psalm 146 This is God who executes mishpat for the who? The oppressed. Who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord protects the strangers. Which is another word for resident aliens or immigrants, depending on your translation. He supports the fatherless and the widow, but he thwarts the way of the wicked. This is the heart of God. This is who He is. This isn't just in, in an just some kind of optional aspect. No, this is a, this is part of the nature of God. He executes mishpat. He cares. That's who He is. And if we're in His image, we need to care as well. And we talked about this uh, the last time. This quartet of the vulnerables, right? The poor the immigrant, the widow, the orphan. Oftentimes when you see this concept in the Bible, it's actually relating to the quartet of the vulnerable. But wait a minute, I thought justice was supposed to be blind, right? Isn't that concept of lady justice that we always have? The blindfold, right? Doesn't matter who you are, the scales are equal, right? And see, this is where I think we struggle with this biblical concept of of justice because when you think about society in a fallen world do you understand what I'm saying society in a fallen world it's not equitable it's not and so if you are in the image of God who executes mishpat for the oppressed and the hungry and the widow and the fatherless then we have to take that to heart and care about those people too so maybe Lady Justice is peaking a little bit, right? Look at Deuteronomy chapter 10. <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter 10. Circumcise your hearts. What does that mean? You know, circumcision obviously was an external act. So this obviously, you can't, you can't cut into your body and snip off parts of your heart. Amen? Amen. Okay. Not meant literally. Amen. You with me on that? But there needs to be something that, but circumcision was something, it was an external act that showed your commitment and allegiance to God. And so he here he's saying, you need to, you need to circumcise your heart to show your allegiance that, that you actually are a follower of God. Don't be stiff-necked. Because God, do you really believe he's the, the God of gods and the Lord of lords? Do you truly believe that? Do you believe he's great and mighty and awesome who shows no partiality? Oh, wait a minute. So this isn't about showing partiality, but what does he do? He defends the cause, the mishpat of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing and you, are to love those who are foreigners for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt fear the Lord your God and serve him this is actually what it means to serve God and when I read the when I was reading this book on on justice there was a a quote in it that made a lot of sense to me and it says Israel's writers must have believed that when we look at the actual condition of widows orphans resident aliens and the poor, and compare it with the condition of other social classes, we discover that the former, you know, the widows and all them, are not only disproportionately vulnerable to injustice, but usually disproportionately actual victims of injustice. Because injustice is not equally distributed. The low ones, those orphans and widows and immigrants, Enjoy those goods to which they have a mishpot, right? They have a right to it. Why? Because they're made in the image of God. Food, clothing, a voice. Stand up for the ones who can't speak for themselves, right? This is all throughout the Bible. See, but they, they, they have a mishpat. They have a right to that in, in God's community. But they, re, they really receive it far less than those of us that are higher up in society. You can say, well, this bothers me, Jeff. I don't like the way this sounds. Are you talking about we need to be socialists? Socialism's not vol- voluntary, people, so we're not going there. I'm not trying to politicize the Bible. <laughs> don't let yourself do it either. Read and listen and, and let it challenge your thinking. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, mishpat, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight. You see, Jeremiah was a prophet, and God's people have a way of straying from what, the way God wants them to live. And the prophets came to remind people no, this is the way God wants you to live. This is how you live for God, right? And we need this concept to understand that God is here to exercise justice, to treat people equitably and righteously and to make sure everyone gets their rights because they're all made in his image. And this concept of righteousness is also very prevalent. And oftentimes those two words are together. And righteousness, tzedakah, it really means those right with God and therefore committed to being right with their other relationships. Here's the deal, when we hear the word righteous, a lot of times we think about, oh, that person's righteous or I feel righteous or whatever you can feel. But oftentimes, it's really about pers- like personal or like private morality. You know, like, man, that person is really righteous. They have a quiet time every day, and they, they study their Bible, and they're, they're really pure and all that. And so when we think of righteousness, a lot of times it's about kind of the individual. And then when we think of self-righteousness, oh, man, we hate that word, right? But in the Bible, that's not really what the word righteousness is about. It's really about the right relationships with each other. That's what it really means. It's, it's, it's the day-to-day living in which a person conducts all their relationships in family, in society, wherever, with fairness, with generosity, with equity. You know, the prophets called people to these standards. But the problem is, I think that we listen to, you know, other prophets, quite honestly, in this world. Who do you listen to? You know, who helps form your thinking about these concepts? And again, I think when we hear, when we hear these things, it, it can kind of make us bristle. Uh, but I think we're listening to the wrong prophets. You know, MSNBC, they're not prophets, all right? I, I really think we got to look at ourselves. You gotta, I think we got to really take time to let the Bible inform the way you're going to view the world. And we, we are trying to live in a, in, a, in a spiritual kingdom, okay? Not an earthly kingdom. And I swear, sometimes I feel, when I have conversations or when I see the stuff on Facebook, I honestly feel that we hold the Constitution in higher respect than the Scriptures. A document written by fallible people for an earthly kingdom. And we cite it as if our understanding of this document made by humans is, is the reason why I treat people the way I'm going to treat people. And those other people who think the other stuff, they're wrong. And in a, no mention of God's word. No mention of what he's been doing in this world. No mention of his heart to, to, to make things equitable. Don't politicize that. There's a guy in the Bible. You know, you know what I want to hear at the end of my life? You know what I want to hear? Well done, good and faithful servant. You know what I'm saying? I really would like to hear that. But you know, there's a dude in the Bible, God kind of said that about him while he was still living, which is pretty cool. You remember that guy named Job? Remember Job? I mean, God even said something about Job. He said, man, this dude, he really is, he's a just person. I mean, he, there's no one like him. I mean, he, wow, that's powerful. But what were some of the attributes of Job? Now, this is where you actually pull out a Bible. Because I'm going to read some of it. I still have some time. I look at my timer. I'm doing all right. We're about to close out. But I'm going to read some of this, Jeremiah. And... Uh, Starting in chapter 29. Verse 12. Because I rescued the poor who cried for help and the fatherless who had none to assist him. 29 verse 13. The man who was dying blessed me. I made the widow's heart sing. I put on... Righteousness as my clothing, justice was my robe and my turban. I was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. I was a father to the needy. I took up the case of the stranger. I broke the fangs of the wicked and snatched the victims from their teeth." What do you see here? God called this man truly righteous in his, in his day. And when Job talks about the way he lived his life, this is what he talked about. This is the stuff that he talked about. This is the stuff that God commends in his people. Chapter 31 verse 13 If I have denied Mishpat to my men servants and maid servants when they had a grievance against me what will I do when God confronts me What will I answer when called to account Did not he who made me in the womb make them Did not the same one form us born both within our mothers What is that Image of God. Job got it. Hey, here's the crazy thing. Job didn't have a Bible like you and me. Job didn't have a Bible, but he understood it. They're a servant. You know, some of us, we go to a restaurant, we treat our waiters like they might as well be less than human. You know, I've seen it. You know, even Christian people. Yeah, you know, just get over here. Yeah. Give me this, give me that, give me this. Oh, goodness. Image of God, people, right? Somebody, you know, doing your yard. How do you, how do you look at them? Oh, if they just had gone to school, they would have had a better job. Is that it? Is that, it? you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. If I have denied the desires of the poor or let the eyes of the widow grow weary. This is a high standard, people. He's not talking about charity. Do you know what I'm saying? See, charity, I think sometimes we can kind of, that's like an episodic, sporadic little thing you do every now and then. Drop something off at the goodwill. Drop a couple dollars to somebody that needs. And not that that's wrong. Keep doing it, please. But sometimes I think we get twisted. Our, our, our acts of charity, and then we kind of come back on ourselves and, and break our arms, patting ourselves on the back. So this really isn't about charity. This is about bearing the image of God in this world. Caring about the people that God cares about and treating them a certain way. And not, some of it is just refusing to think of them a certain way. And I think that's part of our problem. We flat, if we got money and we got education, we flat out think we're better than other people. And we just don't see them made in the image of God. And therefore we don't have mishpat for them. And when we do, we, we just lift ourselves up because we're such good people when really we should be fighting for their cause. Amen. If I have kept bread to myself, verse 17, not sharing it with the fatherless, but from my youth, I reared him as would a father. That ain't charity, man. That, that's going deep in. And for my birth, I guided the widow. If, if I have seen anyone perishing for lack of clothing or a needy man without a garment, and his heart did not bless me for warming him with the fleece from my sheep, if I've raised my hand against the fatherless, knowing that I had influence in court, then let my arm fall from the shoulder. Let it be broken off at the joint. For I dreaded destruction from God and for fear of his splendor. I could not do such things. I've been in, I've been challenged to the core by this passage. These all these passages. I'm about to close out. This thing ain't working, but you can. There you go. Some parting thoughts. Every sermon is not like, you know, yippee kay right? I just want you to remember this that all people are made in God's image and deserve to receive their Mishpat. Acting justly and doing justice is not reserved for the courtroom. It's for your living room and the conference room at work as well. Amen? We're talking about being in communities here at North River. If you're visiting, we're trying to figure out ways to really spread out all over metro Atlanta and just love the people in our communities. But you know what? We, we need to meditate on these concepts, I think. We have to act with mishpat and tzedakah and And be motivated by God's mercy. And consider other people's problems our own. And humility. You say, Jeff, this is all from the Old Testament. I know because I'm I'm doing part two maybe next week. Because some of you might say, yeah, this is Old Testament, bro. You didn't even talk about what Jesus did. Trust me. (laughs) Some of you might think, well, see, that's Old Testament. We're not really. Jesus kind of moved on from all that teaching. (laughs) Ooh, let me tell you something, (laughs) Jesus turns it up even harder, bro. I'm telling you. Okay. So let me just help you with that. I'm trying to, I'm trying to give you again, it's a biblical, consistent theme throughout the scripture. And I think we focus on a lot of great things, but man, I hear a lot of man. Did you share your faith? Did you, you know what? I hope you are sharing your faith. I hope you are reading your Bible but I hope you're treating people with mishpat too. I really do. And I need, you to, I need your prayers. I've been inspired by this. I got in touch with our, uh, the, our commissioner for district three. I reached out and I, I sent her an email and she, she actually responded, we're gonna, meet, we're gonna meet this week. And I, I was inspired, I said, you know, I wanna know who the, who the most vulnerable people are. I wanna figure out how to help them only because I'm reading these passages. So pray for that meeting. We'll see what happens. Let's pray right now. Father, I'm very humbled and I'm grateful for your grace. Cause I don't feel like I've really lived this out, but I know that it's not about performing, it's just about growing to be more into your likeness and likeness of Jesus. I'm so grateful that Jesus really exhibited all of these traits in HD spiritually for all of us. And uh, Father, I just pray that we can even take the time I know we're take the Lord's Supper, and while the whole sermon this morning has not been specifically about Jesus, we do see that He takes care of those who are vulnerable. And uh, Father, help us to remember Him, remember His example, and as we leave here, be determined to express your heart to this fallen world. So thank you for Jesus as we take the bread that represents his body and drink of the juice that represents his blood. Help us to be resolute and living in his image in our world. We pray in his name. Amen.